And one final note of thank you that I wanted to read. This thank you for not clapping. <laughs>
6, and 7. Now we are in the middle. Today is actually the exact middle of the Sermon on the Mount. We're in the middle of chapter 6. Citizens of God's kingdom have an inner motivation that matches God's heart for all people. And by the way, you're going to hear this a lot today. Motivation matters. In fact, I believe that Jesus is saying that our motivation matters in this even more than our actions. Our motivation matters even more than our actions. So it's been a while since we talked about the Sermon on the Mount. We've had, uh, actually the last time I preached on Matthew chapter 6 in the Sermon on the Mount was January 15th. We had a Belton Team Challenge come the next week, then Pastor Mike preached the week after that, and Pastor Sarah preached the week after that, and then last week I shared from 2 Peter what I learned in my time in Florida at Care for Pastors. It's been a whole month since we talked about the Sermon on the Mount. Because it's been that long, I need to very briefly remind you of what the first half of chapter 6 is. Because if you don't understand the first half of chapter 6, the second half doesn't make sense. So I'm going to go through that very quickly. Now I hope you remember that when we did talk about Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 15, do you remember that it was about worship? Three parts of worship, in fact, that Jesus mentioned in the first half of Matthew chapter 6. Giving, praying, and fasting. Now, I mentioned to you a month ago that many, many sermons have been preached on those three items in Matthew chapter 6. In fact, I shared, I have shared individual messages on giving, prayer, and fasting at some point uh, in the past 17 years of my time here. Last time we got together a month ago, I did not go into depth in any one of those three because I wanted you to see the bigger picture that Jesus was saying as we studied the entire Sermon on the Mount as one interconnected unit. And remember, we're talking about how to live as a follower of Jesus, as a disciple. That's what the Sermon on the Mount is. So I want you to see the big picture of how all of these things fit together. So, we talked a month ago about what is the purpose of religious activity, because this is what Jesus was saying. Giving, praying, fasting, those are religious activities. What is the purpose? Why do we do those things? And I told you, if you remember, that the answer is a little bit surprising from Jesus. The answer that Jesus actually gives is not what we expect. It's about reward. We do religious things because we want a reward. That seems odd, but go back and read that section. Jesus talks about reward all over the place. Because there's two kinds of rewards that you can get from religious activities. One of them is good, and one of them is bad. The first reward that some people seek in religious activity, giving, prayer, and fasting, is to be recognized by people for being such a good religious person. Okay? That is a reward that many people seek when doing religious activities. <coughs> Jesus said, it's a useless reward. It means nothing. Okay? Because the second type of reward that Jesus says you can receive in a religious activity is receive recognition from God. 
Now, by recognition from God, I'm not saying that God assigns merit to religious activity. What I'm saying is that we worship God because He's worthy of worship. He's worthy of being recognized. So when we give, it's not about showing everybody that we give. It's about just recognizing that God's worthy. Right? That it's about recognizing that we've got a right heart about our stuff. Like I said earlier, it's not ours, it's God's. We are stewards of God's stuff. In public worship, the question from a month ago is simply, which one of those two rewards are you seeking when you worship? Motivation matters. In the life of disciples of Jesus Christ, motivation matters. Remember what Jesus said in the first part of the Sermon on the Mount? Blessed be, blessed be, the Beatitudes. Motivation matters. Just as motivation matters as much or more in an action like in the second part of chapter 5, Jesus talked about murder and adultery and divorce and oaths and revenge and loving your enemies. He talked about the way the old covenant, the Jews, looked at those things and they said, but I tell you, you've heard it said, but I tell you, Motivation matters. Motivation matters. I'm starting to think that's the theme of the entire Sermon on the Mount, which means it's the entire theme of the Christian life. Motivation matters. It matters why we do what we do. The life of a follower of Jesus is not just a collection of things we do. In fact, the life of a follower of Jesus is much more about who we are than what we do. Followers of Jesus will have the right inner motivation. Our external actions follow our inner motivation. And by the way, this is of course true in public worship. Giving, prayer, fasting... If your inner motivation is right, those things just happen. Do you get that? They're not forced. They're not fake. And our reward is not sought from other people. It's, it's we want God to be honored. Okay, that was my review of a month ago. Now, for the second half of chapter 6, we're now, we're now ready to hear what Jesus says next about what it means to be a follower. Okay, so, as we did with the first half of chapter 6, this is going to seem like a, a bit of a long section I'm going to read, but it's because it all fits together. Alright? And just like last time, many sermons have been preached about the first half of this section I'm going to read, and other sermons have been preached about the second half. They are very rarely preached together. But we're looking for the big picture of what Jesus is saying. Okay? And that big picture is, this is what it means to be a follower of Christ. So now listen to the big picture, and let's figure it out together. Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. That's really, I might have said that earlier today. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, 
there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass and the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of no faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Two sections of scripture right there, usually not preached together. They are usually preached separately. But they absolutely go together. So just like the first half of chapter 6, where it was giving and prayer, right? That they, they're usually not taught together. So here we go. Here's the big idea. The big idea that I want you to understand is that followers of Jesus put God first in their interior thinking. Now that was important. I'm going to say that again. Okay? Followers of Jesus put God first in their interior thinking. Now, that's a big idea from the second half of chapter 6. I want to combine that with the big idea from the first half of chapter 6 because they go together. So here's the big idea. Big idea number one. Followers of Jesus put God first in their public, exterior worship life. And the examples that Jesus gives are giving, prayer, and fasting. Matthew 6, 1 through 15. Alright? Now here's big idea number two. Followers of Jesus put God first in their private, interior worship life. And the examples that Jesus gives are money and worry. Matthew 16. Now, I need you guys to get this. The entire, the entirement of chapter 6 are these two big ideas with those five examples. Did you get that? And this is the heart of the Sermon on the Mount. So I need, I need to step back here and remind you. We are talking about what it literally means to live as a disciple of Jesus Christ. And what it literally means to live as a disciple of Jesus Christ are these two big ideas with those five examples. 
So, by the way, did I mention that motivation matters in the Christian life? Did I mention that? Yes, I did. Good. Well, do you think that Jesus is maybe trying to get us to understand something that's important? Right? Our inner life, our inner motivation is not secondary. It is primary. Okay, our outer life, okay, our outer actions are not primary. They are secondary. Now this really matters, you guys. And it is, it is just so important that you understand this, that we understand this, because here's the deal. We very often get this completely backwards and wrong. In fact, Jesus' audience, the Jewish people, they got that very, very wrong. They were almost totally consumed with exterior religious actions, with religious performance, to the exclusion of their inner faith, of their inner life. Do you, do you see that? Jesus is speaking completely against that. He's saying, you've got it backwards. And followers of Jesus, disciples of Jesus, citizens of God's kingdom, they don't put the outer stuff first. They put the inner stuff first. And guys, the church is filled with history stories of us getting this backwards. We get way more concerned about the exterior than the interior. Following Christ is not a list of rules to keep. It is so crazy that this is, unfortunately, often the way that Christianity is portrayed, even by us. I, mean, we, I don't think we do it intentionally, like even in Sunday school, here's the Ten Commandments, follow those, and you'll be good. Yeah, no, that's, no. You do the inner, and the outer happens by itself. If you put the outer first, it will not work. Christianity is not a list of rules. You see what Jesus is saying in this sermon? Do you see it? Now, with this big idea in mind, where's my big idea? There it is. I want you to look at that again. Followers of Jesus put God first in their private interior worship life. By the way, when I say worship life, yeah, all life is worship. Right? There's, there's not like this part of your life that's not worship. Like when I go to work, I'm not a Christian. I'm not serving God there. Yes, you are. If you are a follower of Christ, all of life is worship. Right? Now, I want you to think of that big idea. See that? Okay? And listen again to what Jesus says about money. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God. And money. Interior motivation. Big idea number two. 
interior motivation matters. So how does Jesus, so how does what Jesus says about money, how is that connected to this big idea that followers of Jesus put God first in their private interior worship life? Jesus is using money as an example of something that can displace God in the person's interior life. Notice again, Jesus' conclusion about money, the last verse, verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Some of you grew up reading the King James Version of the Bible. Right? The King James Version is slightly different, and it's worth showing. So here's the King James Version of that verse. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Now the reason that the NIV changed that to money is because like, a lot of people are like, what is mammon? That's like a weird word. I don't, I don't understand it. So the NIV replaced it with money. This is one case where I think the NIV translation of the Bible did an injustice to that word. That word mammon, that's literally the Greek word. So the King James Version just didn't translate it. It's, it's mammon. And mammon can be translated money, but it's, it's more than money. Okay? Look at, look at that verse. You see, in that verse... Mammon is personified. See that? Mammon is a power. You might even say, God. Why? Because it's something that you can give worship to. You see that? You can put money, the pursuit of money, as an idol. Now, how does this work? How does this work? You see, if we're going to be citizens of God's kingdom, that means, remember what I said? God must be our king. There can't be another king. There can only be one king. Money, or mammon, which mammon is more than just money. It's the whole idea of riches. And let me give you one more thing. It's the idea that money is going to provide for you. Money will be the thing that makes things be okay for you. You can trust money. You can trust in the fact that you've got a chunk of money set aside. Money will be the thing that saves you if you need saving. I think we're guilty of this one. Money is perhaps the best example of something that can displace God in a person's interior life. Now, go back to the big idea. Followers of Jesus put God first. Not inside their inner life. And you see the second example now is completely connected to the first. Worry. 
Money is the first example. Worry is the second. Right? So I'm going to read this section again, starting in verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. That is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire. Will he not much more clothe you than you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all of these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Now, why would Jesus use worry as a second example following money? Let that sink in. If we put our trust in anything other than God, then worry makes perfect sense. If our trust is in money, then we will live our life constantly worrying that we don't have enough money, or that our money will be taken from us, or that we'll lose it somehow, or inflation will happen, or we'll be taxed to death. Or name your moth and loss. <clears throat> you see, in that situation, worrying makes perfect sense. And this applies to everything that we might put our trust in other than God. Because there is nothing trustworthy except God. And if you put your trust in anything other than God, your life will be one of worry. Disciples of Jesus Christ, if you are worried, your trust is in something other than God. Take idea number two. Followers of Jesus, the same one we've had up there three times, put God first in their private, interior worship life. You see, putting God first, it means something. If you, if you worship God as your king and you are the subject, okay, you are his subject, and you keep God as the king, and nothing else is king except God, here's why that's trustworthy. Because God is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving, Complete justice, in a word, perfect. And if you truly know God, who He really is, and how infinitely He loves you and me, then worry does not need to be a part of our inner life. 
may I remind you of something that I just read a moment ago, but I think it's worth reminding you. Verse 32. Your heavenly Father knows what you need. He knows what you need. Your heavenly Father knows what you need. Your Heavenly Father knows what you need. He loves you. He's all-powerful. And He knows what you need. The actual question is, do you actually believe that your Heavenly Father knows what you Are you worried? <coughs> Big idea number two. Followers of Jesus put God first in their private interior worship of life. Ryan, there's the one sentence for my sermon today. When I read this passage, and I've been trying to help Ryan a little bit for what he's going to do on Wednesday, I said, when you read scripture, you need to be listening for God for what the one thing is that your people will take away. If they forget everything else you've said, everything else you've said, what is the one thing that they will take out of this room? There it is. Followers of Jesus put God first in their private material worship life. That's the message for the second half of Matthew chapter 6. In one sentence. There it is. So, did I mention that God loves you? He knows what you need. Have I mentioned that motivation matters? Have I mentioned that the interior life is primary, the external is secondary? You guys, this is what it means to be a Christian. This is it. This is how we live. Oh man, it's good. So, I'm sure you've heard a lot of sermons about money, and I, I'm on my last page, so here we go, last page. If I were preaching a sermon about specifically money, I'm going to do a sermon in money in 30 seconds, ready? Now, if you're on the live stream, or if you want to go home and look on the live stream for the next three slides, that will be helpful, because you're not going to have time to see them now. There are three biblical things that money can do. Okay? There are three. Number one, money. Three biblical uses. Here's the first biblical use of money. To give appropriate care for one's own family and prevent them from becoming a burden to others. So if you're wondering what you can use money for, taking care of your family. Okay? That's what it's for. Okay? There's the scriptures. Go look them up on your own. Look back on the live stream. You'll see them. Number two, the second biblical use of money. To help those who are in need, especially the family of faith. See all those verses there? Go look them up later. So if you know someone who's in need, especially someone in the family of faith, money is for helping them. All right? Number three, three biblical uses of money. 
To encourage and support God's work in spreading the gospel of the kingdom, both at home and around the world. There's the verses. Third biblical use of money. To tell people about Jesus. That's what you use money for. Those are the three biblical uses. Go back and look them up on your own if you're needing a sermon on money. And by the way, how about a short sermon on worry? As long as we're at it. Here's the cure to worry. Boom. Yes. That's what I like. Boom. That's it right there. You want to cure worry? Remind yourself of how God has provided for you in the past so that you can have faith that God will provide for you in the future. Okay, those are the two super short sermons on money and worry. So it's time to ask yourself, are you putting God first? You can know the answer to if you're putting God first right there. Do you want to know the answer? By how you use money and worry. <laughs> That's how you know. By the way you think about money and by how you worry, we'll know if God is first in your life. This isn't tricky. Jesus ends this section on putting God first in our private interior life with one of the most profound statements in all of human history. I've already read it to you twice. Ready for the most profound statement? One of the most profound statements in all of human history. Verse 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Put God first in here, and God will take care of the rest. How do you view money? Are you worrying? Are you seeking his kingdom? Because you are a citizen of the king. Are you seeking his righteousness? Hey all, if you are, if you are doing that, God will take care of it. Thank you, Jesus, for your incredible word. Thank you, Jesus. God, these big ideas, hmm, do we believe them? Do we believe that our interior private life needs to be about putting you first? Do we believe that? Do we believe that our public worship life is about putting you first? These big ideas of the heart of the Sermon on the Mount. This is the essence of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. May it be so for us. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name.